Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we will be in Galatians today, Galatians chapter 1, if you want to turn there. We're going to be speaking from uh, the title of What is the Gospel? So as we continue to prepare uh, for uh, the Gospel of Crusades coming up, as we continue to make evangelism a part of our daily lives, it's very important that we get the gospel right because it's the power of God unto salvation. And so if we preach a different gospel, we don't see salvation. We might see agreement with what we're saying, but if it's not the right one, we can't see people born again. And that's the point. (laughs) We want to see people rescued out of darkness. So we want to get this right. So Galatians chapter 1, we'll read 1 through 10. Father, thank you for your word. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? For if I was trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that it would accomplish that which you set it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So Galatians is one of the first um, books written in the New Testament. Less than 30 years after Christ's resurrection, Galatians was was written. And um, so less than 30 years after Jesus, people were already preaching a different gospel than what Christ delivered to the saints. Um, and so we're some 2,000 years <laughs> after, and there are many different gospels being presented in many different ways, in many different circles, and we got, but there's only one. There's only one gospel, and we have to get it right. Um, and it's not, uh, I'm not preaching this to hit a, anybody over the head today. Um, um, I want to give you the tool which is the gospel, to see true salvation in the world because this world needs saving. 
um, and God's message is to be proclaimed. You see, the gospel is not just a message about God. It's a message from God. He's the one that wrote the message, and we're just the delivery boys. <laughs> we're just the delivery girls <laughs> sharing the message with the world. So we don't get to rewrite it or make a new one. He's the one that determines it, and his word is clear on, on what it is. So we'll explore that together. Um, I felt it necessary to, to start here. Um, I had two messages going in my head of which one to go with, but next time uh, I talk to you guys, we're going to talk about fearless gospel preaching, um, about how we could be fearless in the place of evangelism and uh, where the Lord uh, calls us to. But before we could do that, we have to know what we're talking about. <laughs> we have to know what the gospel is, because you could be fearless about a lot of things, uh, but we want to get this right. And so, um, Lord, help us. It's only by your spirit. So why is this important to talk about? One, like I said, this is God's message, and his name is being proclaimed. Number two, according to our text, there is a curse on the man that preaches a false gospel. Number three, if you don't preach the actual gospel, you will only make false converts. If we don't preach the actual message, they might come into agreement or make a decision according to what we told them, but if it's not the gospel, the actual gospel, they're not being saved. And we want to see men saved. Anyone that's been saved, <laughs> we want people to experience that which Christ has done for us. Amen? So we don't want to withhold that. So let's take a, a, a little bit of a deeper look at our text in a few different words. Um, I think it's always important for us to, Pastor Andrew does an amazing job of this, just looking at the Greek and, and giving us a deeper understanding. Um, and so the word astonished there in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. That word, uh, you know what that means. It's an awe. It's a wonder. Like, I'm blown away that you're preaching a different gospel. Why are you doing that? <laughs> you, you know the gospel. We preached it to you. Why are you changing it? And then deserted there in, in verse 6 is leaving to go to another party. It's a, it's a turning to join the opposition, basically. So you're deserting Christ when you preach a different message and you're joining the other side because you're hindering his, the message going forth. And accursed there is the word anathema, which you might be familiar with, but it's to pledge destruction on something. Um, or someone. It's a divine curse. It's an oath curse. It's Paul saying, if, if I preach to you a different message than what's in this book, let me be accursed. Let me be damned. That's what it means. So th this is a big deal, and we have to feel the weight of the apostles' words here um, because this is clearly a big deal. He says, let that man be accursed twice in three messages, <laughs> uh, in three uh, verses, sorry. And so, uh, twice in two verses, I'm sorry. And so we, we just want to get this right. And I, I, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to say this is a big deal. We're carrying the message of God to the world. His, his name and reputation is on the line. Not that we could mar his reputation in the sense that actually change who he is, he will make his name great in the nations. But you can misrepresent him. And I don't want to. And I don't want you to. The cost is too high. People are dying. 
and we need to save them with the gospel. So what, first, let's start what, with what isn't the gospel. Um, a few years ago, I, I think it, probably about six years now, um, I was out evangelizing, and uh, I, my beginning of my presentation looked like this. Jesus loves you. <laughs> and that's all I said. <laughs> and the guy said to me, uh, everybody loves me. What, what, what does that mean? What does that mean to me? And in that moment, I realized I didn't have a gospel. Jesus loves you is not the gospel. It's true, but it's not the gospel. He's telling people that, that are dead in their trespasses and sins. It's just like, whatever. Everybody loves me, or I don't care who loves me. You know, it doesn't, that does nothing to them. So we want to we wanna get this right. So, again, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, although true is not the gospel. Praying for someone and then leaving without sharing the gospel is not the gospel. Your testimony is not the gospel. It's the fruit of the gospel, but it's not the gospel. The fact that you could have a personal relationship with Jesus is true, but it's not the gospel. So there's points that we need to actually hit when we're sharing the gospel with someone. And it's not always... You don't always have the time to share this elaborate gospel presentation. You don't have an hour to pre preach a message to them. But the gospel can truly be shared in about 30 seconds. And uh, I think we've all got 30 seconds <laughs> to share. And so if we can get this drilled into our hearts, it will just flow out of us. Because if you've been saved, you've experienced the gospel, and you know the, the distance that God closed on your behalf to rescue you out of darkness and into marvelous light. You were helpless to save yourself, but God came in the flesh and took the penalty for your sins so that I would not have to suffer the consequences of my own. And today, if you put your faith in Christ, that could be said of you, that you will not face the condemnation and the damnation that every one of us deserves without Christ. And we could just have this on our heart, and we could present it and say, you cannot save yourself. Your good works cannot save you, and you are not too far gone for your record of sin that stands against you. But Christ is a gracious Savior who laid his life down for sinners like you and I. And if today we turn to him, we will live and experience eternal life. So if we just get this in our hearts, we'll just flow. it will just flow out of us. And we'll, I always realized that I was the most timid of sharing the gospel when I had the least understanding of the gospel. The more I understand the gospel, the more bold I am to proclaim it. If you ever you know, had to do a report in school with an oral presentation, I was deathly afraid of speaking in front of people when I was in uh, school. In college, I used to not show up to class when I had to present because I, was, I couldn't breathe when I was in front of people. Um, and so uh, what we need uh, to do is what we know in those moments that the more you're prepared for those situations, the more confident you could be going into them. But if you have no idea um, what your faith actually is, you're going to be timid in order to share it because you don't know how to. And that's okay, but I want to give you the tools to do that uh, because we're all called to do the work of the evangelist. Um, and so um, there's people in your life that I'll never meet, that we'll never meet, that need to hear the gospel from your mouth. And uh, we want to put it in your mouth today, that you could, could, could come off your lips, thus saith the Lord, 
this is the gospel. It is written, <laughs> and we will share it. So um, very interestingly, um, the, when we don't know the gospel, we normally end up pandering to the flesh. We normally end up softening the gospel message in order to not offend but the gospel in itself is actually offensive. You don't actually have to try to be offensive, and please don't try to be offensive. The gospel message itself is offensive. It's telling men and women, and especially in America, that you are not good enough. That's offensive. Um, and so, but God is. <laughs> and he does all the work, and he gets all the glory. <laughs> So that's an offensive message to a self-made culture. And uh, so we preach this message. And I mean, when Paul was preaching this message in Acts, there's people that took vows to not eat or drink anything until they killed him. <laughs> he was preaching the gospel and men wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus, God in the flesh. There's probably an issue with our message if nobody has a problem with it. Yep. So let's continue to just be bold and declare the gospel as it has been delivered once for all to the saints. And it is found in the word of God. So what is the gospel? Well, Romans 1 says the gospel is the gospel of God. So... It is twofold here. It is both good news about God, but first and primarily, it is a gospel good news from God. So this is God's message um, that we are proclaiming and giving to the world. It is good news about God and his work, but, um, but we must first see that someone else didn't come up with this. This wasn't a man-made message or the, God, the apostles saw Jesus and said, you know what, I've got some good news to share about him. It's actually the message that Jesus gave to the apostles. It wasn't something they just observed. It was something that was given to them. And so God told us what this message would be. And there are six points that I'm actually revisiting. I preached around this time last year that I just feel structures the gospel really uh, nicely and neatly um, to remember um, for our own sake. And then we'll even condense it even further towards the end of something that you can readily uh, give uh, to people. So number one, it is a plan. Revelation 13, 8 says it, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That the gospel is not a um, reaction to man's fall. It was a plan in the heart of God before creation. Our God is never wringing his hands saying, oh, no, I didn't know about that. <laughs> he, he, he is the omniscient, sovereign one who knows all things. First Corinthians 2, 7, it, it says that God decreed this before the ages began. And 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, this is grace given to us in Christ before the ages. Number two, it is an event, right? It is called news. That means we're reporting on something that happened previously. Um, we're, we're, we're just telling you of something that happened. So Romans 5, 6, it says it's, it's an event. While we were still weak, Christ at the right time died for the ungodly. That's a past event that happened. 
Number three, it's an accomplishment. Second Corinthians 5:21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we through him might become the righteousness of God. I love that verse so much. Uh, point four is it's free. Romans 6:23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, it's free. It's not um, a wage that's given to you because you've done enough good things. And it's also not withheld from you because you've done so many bad things. You can't be counted out of this gospel because of how bad you've been. You need to hear that. <laughs> There's a lot of people that won't accept the gospel as it is because they believe they're counted out by their record. And by that, we're saying that Christ is not a good enough savior. He's not strong enough. His grace surpasses our sin. As good as we are at sinning, Christ is better at saving. <laughs> it is free. Praise God. It is to be received by faith. It is simply believing that this is true. Galatians 2.16, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So also we have believed in Christ in order that we be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by works of the law, no one will be justified. And lastly, uh, point six, resulting in peace with God. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And there's many um, benefits to the gospel, right? We, we can go through the list. We're justified. We are sanctified by the Spirit. The, the Spirit himself comes to live inside of us. He comes to empower us to live this life now uh, that we've been saved. Um, last, uh, yesterday, we were doing um, a training, and uh, one of the quotes, I, I can't remember it uh, word for word, from Jonathan Edwards, but basically it's saying, the work that Christ did in you will be evident on you. That not only are men given new hearts, but they're given new feet and hands and mouths. They don't go where they used to go. They don't use their hands to sin the way they used to. Right? And so as we continue to walk with the Lord, he does his work in us. The good news presented uh, in Ezekiel 36, uh, the, one of the first um, like clear new covenant uh, prophecies given to us, uh, it says that I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my ways. Uh, the work of Christ in us is the one, he, he's conforming us to the image of Christ. And so we, we yield to the Spirit, and he does the work. Amen? So the gospel really presupposes uh, two doctrines that we have in the faith. It's the doctrine of God and the doctrine of man. And we need to get these uh, right of who God is and who man is inherently and how the gospel bridged the chasm between these two. And so just to give you some points, these are things that you already know, but uh, 
As Paul said, I will not fail to put you in remembrance. <laughs> the doctrine of God. He is holy. He is immutable, which means he is not subject to change. He inhabits eternity, which means he's outside of space and time. He is absolute perfection. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is seated in the heavens in unapproachable light on a throne that is established on righteousness and justice. He does everything that he pleases. He works everything after the counsel of his own will. And as Exodus 34, 7 says, he will by no means clear the guilty. Okay? Doctrine of man. So as God has displayed in his word, number one, man is made in the image of God. Right? We are made in the image and the likeness of God. By God. But we are finite in that we have a beginning. We are inside of space and time, contrasted to God who is outside of space and time inhabiting eternity. But we have immortal souls that will live forever. As God is perfection, we have been corrupted at all points because of sin. And as the Bible lists out in the New Testament, mainly uh, in this doctrine of man, we are dead in our sin, we are slaves to sin, we are enemies of God, hostile in our minds, unable to please God, by nature, children of wrath. We are rebellious towards God and his law at all points. And again, spiritually dead men cannot help themselves. We need God if we are to be saved. So we see this chasm, absolute perfection and rebellious dead slaves. How does this gap get closed? That sounds like really bad news, and it is. <laughs> but there is good news, praise God. <laughs> For while I was still dead in my trespasses and sins, Christ came and laid his life down, God in the flesh. So man could not climb his way back to God he could not bridge the gap that he created. But God, in his mercy, stepped down from heaven and took on a human nature. God and man in the person of Christ. He must have been God in order for God to save us, and he had to be fully man in order to save men. So that's the, what we call in theology the hypostatic union. The God is, uh, Christ is fully God and fully man. And this must, it, it had to be this way. As, um, as a old saint said, I think it was um, Irenaeus, he said, the unassumed is the unredeemed. So if Christ did not assume all of humanity, then he could not have redeemed all of humanity. He must have assumed in every way that you get hungry, Christ got hungry. He was tempted at all points, yet without sin. He, he had to be man. But he never stopped being God because we needed them together in order for this to be accomplished. So Christ comes down. He's born of a virgin. His life itself is a test of, uh, it's testimony to God's ability to save. His name means Yahweh saves, right? 
So Christ steps down, the eternal son of God becomes man to bridge the gap that man could not take up. He could, we cannot climb our way to heaven. As uh, the evangelist George Whitfield once said, um, get to heaven by your own works. <laughs> you might as well try to climb to the moon on a rope of sand. God came down and became a man in order that he would bring man back to God. Amen. So let's continue in this. Let's feel, let's feel this. As the people of God, we need to feel the distance because then our message will come with urgency and um, severity in the sense that you need this. I, I've been many times evangelizing and I've literally said, I'm begging you to turn from your sin and be saved. Like you, it, you have to feel what is due you without Christ. And then it rises up within you. The gospel will flow from you naturally, right? We, we always use the comparison. I always use the comparison that if you had the cure for cancer, but you didn't share it, that would make you an evil man. But we have the cure for something much more devastating and eternally lasting than cancer. And we are not sharing it. <laughs> we must share this news. And once you know it, you will share it. But we just need a greater revelation by the help of the Spirit. Lord, help us. So we have a God who is described as, in, in Exodus 34, God is described as gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, but will by no means clear the guilty. But we're guilty. So how do we get cleared? God had to become a man and uphold man's side of the covenant to live a perfect life, to uphold the law of God perfectly. That's what condemns us is the law of God. And the law of God is not bad. It's just that we can't uphold it. The law is there as Galatians, as it continues on, it's to be our schoolmaster. It's to be our tutor leading us to a knowledge of our need for a savior. And so when you meet a man, um, and we'll go over this a little bit more next time I, I talk, but if you meet a man that believes he does not need Christ, but that he's self-righteous in his own work, uh, in his own works, in his own good works, we present the law to him to say, but according to this standard, you cannot make it. Have you ever lied? You've fallen short. If you, the Bible says, if you've fallen short on one commandment, you've disobeyed the entire law. In that perspective, the Bible also says anything not done in faith is sin. By that standard, no man can be saved, right? None of us can save ourselves. And we need to feel this. We need to know this. That means if that is true, and because it's in the Bible, I believe it wholeheartedly. Anything not done in faith is sin. That means that if you are not in Christ, every single thing that you do, no matter how good it is, is sin. You could adopt a million babies and you could start a hospital. It's sin because it's not bringing glory to Christ. This is the depths of our brokenness. Okay? One more, one more to, to, to feel this, to feel this. I know you're already feeling it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> Where are we here? 
Romans chapter 3, right? Just to stamp it down. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we are already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, and this is, this is the place here, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. There is no one who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their tongue. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is man's condition. And so when we bring the good news, it's actually really good news because men in this condition cannot save themselves. It says that they don't even seek for God in this condition. But God is seeking them. (laughs) I was lost and found. I wasn't lost and stumbled my way into the kingdom. Someone found me. And that person is Christ, the good shepherd. And so we must have this urgency on our hearts as we understand the brokenness and the depravity of of man. And if these doctrines are wrong, if we get this wrong, if we believe man's not really that far gone, or if we don't really think God is all that perfect, we can't present a gospel that saves, right? So it doesn't feel good to know that about ourselves without Christ. And, know, and if we're honest, as we have the light of Christ on us, as we walk with Christ, we can truly see how broken we were and how broken we are in this moment without him. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. <laughs> Prone to leave the God I love, the old hymn said. Without Christ's hold on his people, we are prone to wander, but he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Amen. So people are not one to Jesus because you make them feel good in their sin. People are one to Christ through the truth of the gospel that is delivered in love, but the most loving thing you could do to a man that's about to run off a cliff is to tell him that that's about to happen to him or go and grab him and pull him back from the edge. Uh, we, sometimes, we sometimes present the gospel in a way that a man is running headlong off a cliff and we're waving to him saying, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> They're gone, right? But the gospel is a rescue. It is a collision with God who stands in front of the cliff and stops that man from running off. And if we don't present the gospel in its truth to people, we will continually sometimes aid people's headlong drop into hell. So we must have these truths before us. We must let the word define what eternity looks like, what the reality of these things are. There's many people preaching a gospel that it doesn't really matter if you, if you, uh, come to Christ now, you might have a chance after you're dead. 
But the Bible doesn't say that. Or that all roads lead to heaven. No, Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The exclusivity of Jesus. So there, there are these things, and there's many different gospels being presented in our day, but we must be bold and have the revelation of what this gospel truly is because when we see it, you will rejoice. One of, the, one of the greatest things that I've seen as we've continued to grow even in the prayer room and as our body continues to mature and become more like Jesus, the most common word I hear in worship and in prayer is thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Only a man or a woman that knows the gospel continuously says thank you. And I love every when I close my eyes and I hear, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's a, it's a revelation of how far he's brought you. You weren't just at the edge and he had to nudge you the rest of the way. You were as far as you could have possibly been. And you were brought near by the blood of his cross. Amen. So without Christ... We are dead, rebellious sinners, lost without God in the world. And the Lord commands us to repent for our sins, forsake our way and surrender to his lordship. Um, a God who would do this, who wouldn't want to surrender to this kind of master, to this kind of Lord? This one, when I was not looking out for myself, he was looking out for me, right? Why would we not want to give everything? But because when men are dead in their trespasses and sins, this doesn't even sound appealing to them. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When it is preached, grace is released to open blind eyes for them to see Christ for his manifold excellencies. But without the gospel, it's like everyone's running around with a blindfold on, unable to see. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom, Jesus said. We need the gospel to go forth in power to open blind eyes so that might see Christ in all his glory. And the more you are convinced of that, the more people will see it when you proclaim the gospel. Amen. <laughs> this is good news, guys. I, I, I literally can't stop like <laughs> learning about the gospel. <laughs> I was recently gifted thank you Jesus I was gifted a 14 volume set on the book of Romans I will never read the entire thing in my lifetime it is incredible and it's just all about this gospel that saved us and every sentence is like I just want to cry I want to crawl under a chair and just stay there nobody touch me you know I just want to stay right there and cry thank you Jesus but we just can continue to learn more and more about how glorious this gospel is. And there's many facets to it, right? We know, we, we know healing and we know deliverance. Uh, that it, it, This is all part of the gospel. Um, but we just have to have a, a full understanding of these are, these are great benefits of the gospel in the healing that God, Christ has paid for and the deliverance that is available to us. But while we were dead in our trespasses and sins... Christ died for us. Amen? <laughs> so
So I just want to read a few portions of the scripture before we close uh, just that really just define the gospel. I'm just gonna, I just want to let the word speak for itself. So Romans chapter one, you don't have to turn there. You could just listen or you can turn there. I promise it's in there. <laughs> you know, you know, you, don't, you never know, right? But, but I promise. Paul, a servant of Christ, Jesus called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was a descendant from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And I'll flip over to um, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And we read that part. And let's go to 19. So we read that first section there about the, the brokenness of man. In Romans 3.19. So now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. So, right, we, we see that the law of God is actually the standard that if we ever have someone that says, I don't need a savior, we can present the law of God to them and say, you fall short in these areas. You could actually just let them tell you about it. You could just say, have you ever lied? You're a liar. You've broken the law of God, right? You need a savior. You need someone to save you. So that's why. So the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes a knowledge of sin. But now, here we go, here's, here's some good news. This is a very important part of the book of Romans right here. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of those who have faith in Christ, right? He, because he is God, he is just in punishing his son for the sins that were imputed to him. But he also justifies those who place faith in his son. So he is just and the justifier of those who have faith in Christ. And let's look at, and I think we'll end here. I have a, a lot of stuff written down. Romans chapter 8. This is my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to memorize it, but I'm having a hard time. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to memorize it. Um, 
Yeah, let's just continue to get this stamped on our heart. We start in in Romans 8. It, maybe one day I'll preach through Romans 8. It starts with no condemnation, and it ends with no separation. <laughs> oh, Jesus, what a gospel. <laughs> there is therefore now. Now. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. <laughs> so God in his providence sends his son to bear the penalty for the sin that we deserve. The wage of sin is death, right? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Anyone that puts their faith in Christ shall be saved. <laughs> that though while we were sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> For a good man, men would seldom die. But for his enemies, Christ died for us. What a wonderful gospel we have. So again, God is holy. Man is under the wrath of God for continuously sinning against him, dishonoring him, and not giving thanks or glory to him. Man is unable to save himself. But before the world began, God predetermined that he would save his people. So he sent his son, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life, died the death that you and I deserve, was raised from the dead by his spirit. Three days later, according to the scriptures, according to his own prophecy of himself, he rose and burst forth from the grave, conquering sin, death, and the devil. He ascended on high where he was crowned as the king of glory and given authority over all nations and all universes. <laughs> and there he sits, putting every enemy under his feet. And he has sent his spirit into his church to do the work of the ministry, to share the gospel and to make his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as his people, we continuously pray, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as his people filled with his spirit, we will accomplish the task of seeing this world transformed. As Revelation says, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. So we carry this gospel. We carry this good news 
to everyone that we see. Even if you think they're saved, tell them the gospel. Just make sure. <laughs> someone told me one time, I, I forgot what it was. Um, someone told me, uh, I think I was telling them about the fact that I was in Bible college. It was, a, it was an older, older uh, gentleman. And he said, are you saved, son? I was like, I'm in Bible college. And he's like, just because you're... Just because you're at an airport doesn't make you an airplane. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's preach the gospel to every creature. Let's, let's make sure the gospel is going forth in power. Let's preach the real gospel, the whole gospel. Let's not withhold anything because we're actually not loving the person in front of us from withholding the bad side of the good news, <laughs> right? There's, there's actually bad news without Christ, and it makes the good news sweeter. Amen? Let's take communion. Let's remember his sacrifice together as his saints. If you are born again, that your faith is in Jesus Christ, we invite you to the table. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ, do it now. <laughs> Do it now. Ask him for the forgiveness of your sins. Commit your life to him fully and trust in him that he is a perfect savior and that he will carry you on to the end. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on social media if you would like to give to this ministry text the amount to 84321 bless you